It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book Lighthouse Faith. You know, Kathy Lee Gifford hardly needs uh, an introduction, but I'm going to give it anyways. because oh, no. it does. not a long one, please. <laughs> it just reminds us. <laughs> you know, the thing about it is, Kathy, okay, you are so talented. And you've got this extraordinary resume, and people don't know. You're an author, you were a composer, you were a singer, you were an actress, you were a movie director, you are, you know, what, what, did you part the sea, too? I, I wasn't yeah, quite well, sure about that. Yeah, I'm old enough to have been there. I was, I was a child, though, okay? I, I, my gifts were developing even then. Yeah. Well, you, there are two people here, actually, because it's also Rabbi Jason Sobel. And, I, you know, you are, you are just, you, you're going to take, you're, you're actually, do t- you're taking your, your, your act on Right down the road yeah. here. So, but you have a, a, stick. a, a, stick, a stick. We got a stick, and I got a schmata. <laughs> you are you. You have a book, and it's called God of the Way, and it's actually your second book together. But the God of the Way is also parallel to the movie that's coming out. Yes, oh, that's they're a, companions, they're, okay, mm-hmm. and it's called The Way. And because I'm not sure how everything posts and everything like that, I want to make sure because they stay on the, the internet forever. September 1st, you, it's a one night only. You can see yes, the way. Yes, it's a fathom event in theaters all around okay. the country. And then after September 1st, how can people see it? It will stream on all kinds of uh, yeah. um, what are called platforms, and it'll be available in DVD. And then eventually it just gets out there everywhere. I yeah. saw I saw the movie. It was very moving. It's beautiful music, beautiful scenery, beautiful Praise everything. God. Praise God. Lord. You know? We worked hard on it. You know, I mean, it's got my name on it, but honestly, if you look at the credits at the end. Well, that. Oh, gorgeous. I watched the credits. Yes, oh, I, <laughs> look at the hundreds of people. Oh my God! I mean, it was like a major motion picture. Yeah, we shot it in Israel. We shot it in um, uh, Utah. We shot it in Texas, and we shot it in Tennessee, mostly because Israel was closed because of COVID. Right. And right. we were closed up, so we went to some of the most remote areas in order to be able to, to, to complete the film. So it kept us on our knees in that sense, you know. Like, yeah. you know, and uh, the, the uh, people say, "Well, what's the movie?" I go. What what do you think? What's the way? And I said, I don't know. This has never been done before. It's 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 a brand new way to bring ancient stories of scripture. You call it an oratorio, though. It's very interesting because from a classical music standpoint, oratorio means like Handel's Messiah, you know, Mendelssohn's Elijah. You know, it's it's this is a different kind of oratorio. Oratorio for me, I've always been told, and you're far more of a classical musician than I am. It is that like Tchaikovsky's uh, Peter and the Wolf. Okay. It's storytelling with symphonic music in yes. it. So this is the Nashville Symphony Orchestra, 65 of the members of that orchestra pl- playing. Uh, to, to, I think the music is so thrilling. Oh, my, my orchestrators are beautiful. just brilliant. And, um, and sung by some of the greatest artists in the world today. And, uh, but I wanted a br- I'm a theater buff, and I grew yeah. up in the theater, writing for theater, being in theater, and even at Broadway shows, off-Broadway shows that I wrote, produced. Uh, but uh, and works with Sondheim. That's my background. People yeah. don't know a lot of that too, but that's the way I see things cinematically and theatrically. Yeah. So I, when I read the story of of Hagar, I don't. I see it as a movie. 
Mm-hmm. I see her mm-hmm. story as a, you know, something cinematic or theatrical. Yeah. So that's what this is. We bring these ancient stories uh, to the to the forefront and tell it in a brand new way. And I call it oratorio because that's what I was taught. If I'm right. wrong, I'm wrong about a lot of things, especially today. I don't think anybody <laughs> will object. I don't think anybody will say, no, it's not an oratorio. It, it, you know, it really says what you... It really does do what you say it's, it, it actually is there for. Do. I don't want to forget Rabbi Sobel no, because yes, you exactly. guys are together and I want to bring you in because of the, one of the things that people always ask, and I know that people keep asking, and I want to know, it's like how you guys got together. People are so fascinated by that. Because, We're because, like the you know odd what? couple. Because you know what? Because of the history of, of Jews and Christians, we mm-hmm. don't think that we can get along. So every time a Jew and a Christian gets together— they think, oh, this is, you know, it's the God Squad, and, you know, you stay in your camp, and you, know, you stay in your camp, but we'll all get along. Or, no, this is totally different. This is totally different. Well, rabbi? I'll let the rabbi answer that because he knows he knows the answer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we connected when Kathy wanted to write a book. Her life was changed, as she can tell you, when she went to Israel on a rabbinical study tour, and she wanted to be able to share that with others, and so— she called me up and we connected and had a great conversation and began this journey together with our first book, The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi. But what I think is important to understand is that all the writers of the Bible, with the exception of Luke and the New Testament, were Jewish. Maybe he was a convert because he was a doctor. Who knows? <laughs> a good Jewish doctor. A good Jewish doctor, right? Yeah. So, so, I mean, Jesus, his Hebrew name was Yeshua. Mm-hmm. He lived as a Jew. He kept the Jewish holidays. He kept he kosher, the Jewish dietary laws. He was called rabbi. And so, so same of all the disciples. Paul was a famous rabbi in his day. So there's never meant to be the separation between Jew and Gentile. It's one story. And in fact, you really can't understand the fullness of the New Testament or the old without understanding it in its Jewish context. I'll, I'll never forget I Went out one time and bought a high-definition television right before the Super Bowl. Everyone said it was going to change the way you saw the game. And uh, I watched the whole game. I was like, this isn't that great. And then I had a revelation at the end of the game that the higher channels were the HD channels. Watched the whole game in standard definition. And when I did see it in HD, I was like, this makes a difference. And that's that what we're the, doing is in this Is that the book. Yiddish word schmuck? <laughs> well, that's interesting to me because a lot, of people, a lot of people see the, 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 the New Testament and they don't understand that how Jesus was referencing the Old Testament. And when he was, talks about, I am the light of the world. And no one who uh, believes in will ever walk, we'll walk in, darkness. in darkness. He actually says it during the Festival of Lights, which is Hanukkah. 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 And, yeah, it, and absolutely. we became very dear friends because I was so frustrated every Christmas working at Rockefeller Center. It's just the, the hard to find the baby Jesus, you know, hard to find what the season was really supposed right. to be like. Right. And I had been studying rabbinically, so I knew that Jesus was not born in December. I knew that he was not born in a stable from just my, my regular learning experiences. Mm-hmm. And I'm frustrated by the by the sensationalism of and the commercialism mostly. Of, so I was, could not wait to get out out of, of New York. And uh, my, my friend introduced me to him. She was a mutual friend and still is going on my trip to Israel with me in a couple of weeks. And, um, and, he's, he, and, and he said, I can give you one great reason uh, to love December. And you can tell her what you told me. Yes, Rabbi. please. Yeah, yeah. Because we think that, you know, Jesus was born in December. Well, actually, he wasn't Born. There's no way he could have been born in December for a number of different reasons. Shepherds weren't in the field in the middle of winter at night in December. The reason why there was no room in the inn 
was not because there was a census. It was because there was the biblical holiday of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Which is uh, which the Feast is of the, September. September. September, October, yes. September, October. Okay. It was you got to use the, three, the Hebrew calendar. Yeah, it was right, one of right, the three right. pilgrimage holidays, the most attended of all right. the holidays. It's also on that holiday that Jesus got up and says uh, he offers living water because there was a whole water drawing ceremony that – reference back to anyway the time in the wilderness and the water from the rock and he's saying the water that your ancestors drank from the rock that water you've been praying for i'm it i am Drink the rock me. i am yeah. the rock i yeah. am the water so yeah so every major event in his life happened on a jewish holiday he he died as the passover lamb he rose from the dead on the holiday of yom habikarim first fruits poured out his spirit on pentecost which is shavuot in acts chapter two but it was the day god gave the ten commandments in the old testament but all that to say, I believe Jesus was conceived on Hanukkah, festival the festival of lights. of lights, and he was born on nine months later on wow. Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, which is John 1, 14, and the word became flesh, and it says literally in the Greek, tabernacled among us. We see, need our Jewish brethren, really, to understand the Bible, see really. See why I'm on fire now? Yes. This has been about 10 years of this kind of study. Jesus was not a carpenter. Jesus, he worked with, with, with wood, obviously, but there was no buildable wood in, in first century A.D. Um, uh, uh, Israel. He was a stonemason. Mm. So now you hear, upon this rock, I will build my church and let you who are without sin cast the first stone and all the imagery he used. It's because he used those hands for 30 years with stone. Wow. Uh, I just, I don't want to be, I want to know the truth. You know, Absolutely. I want, Absolutely. And I don't want my grandmother's Sunday school. We know too much now. We know we can Google what did it say in the Hebrew? What does it mean in the Greek? And it changes everything when you understand what the source says. You know what's interesting? Because the, his first miracle is turning water into wine at the wedding at Cana. And the jugs they used to for the for the water were the purifying jugs, the yeah. Jewish yeah, and it, I mean the, the the parallel between his cleansing blood and then using the the jugs the the, the those water jugs to turn water yeah, into and, wine. And, and it says, you know, why is that the first miracle? Because what's the first miracle Moses does? He turns the water into blood. Jesus is the greater Moses. He doesn't turn the water into blood, which is a sign of judgment. He turns it into wine because wine is a symbol of new life and of the messianic kingdom wow. in the Hebrew scriptures and in the New Testament. Why is there six stone pots? I mean, every detail. That's what I was going to ask you to I'm tell. Like, I'm like yes, shivers. <laughs> every number means something in right. the Bible. Why six pots? Yeah, and why? we get a lot in, in God of the Way about numbers. And when when there's a number, every detail in the scripture is there for a reason, right? right. Nothing random. So why right. six stone pots? Because, you know, man was created on the sixth day. In Jewish thought, he fell on the sixth day, lost six things as a result of the of the fall. Jesus does the first miracle with six stone pots, and he dies on Friday, which on the Jewish calendar is the sixth day of the week. The same day man fell is the day that he dies, okay, wow. to reverse the curse, right? Wow. And so part of the connection is in Hebrew, six is the number of connection. The way that you write and in Hebrew is with the letter vav. Hebrew is alphanumeric. Every letter has a numerical value. So the first time the number six occurs in letter form is God creates the heavens and the earth. The letter Vav is a letter that connects heavens and earth. It has a number six connected to it. When we sinned, we broke the connection between heaven and earth. So Jesus doing the miracle with six stone pots and dying on the sixth day is declaring, I've come to restore the connection 
and, and, and restore everything that was lost. You talked about the number 10 before. I think we, before we got started, you talked about the number 10 because I think that's significant. And that also draws in the Old Testament to the New Testament. What's, the, what's significant about the number yeah, 10? Yeah, yeah. In the God of the Way, we talk about the significance of the number 10 and the connection to the God of his word, right? Mm-hmm. Because when God creates the world, he speaks 10 times in the biblical account. And then there's 10 uh, plagues on Egypt which and then there's ten commandments at Mount Sinai, so ten creation, ten redemption, ten revelation. Well, what's the connection between ten, ten, ten? Well, when Far- God spoke the world into existence, so His word is woven into the very fabric of creation. It says He holds all things together by His word in the New Testament. Well, when Pharaoh disobeyed the word of God through Moses, what happened? We went from order to chaos. And the 10 plagues are an undoing of creation where there was light, now there was darkness. Where there was life, now there was death. And so when we disobey God's word, it literally brings chaos out of order instead of, but when we obey God's word, it brings order out of chaos. Another word for the order is shalom, Shalom. God's shalom, which is what hovered over the the chaos at the, at the beginning, right? Yeah, and the first letter of Jesus' name in Hebrew begins with the letter Yud, which has the numerical value of 10, which is the first letter of the divine name, Yahweh or Jehovah in Hebrew. So he comes to restore all these things. All you know, things. Um, you, the book mentions is, is this parallel between the giving of the law and Pentecost, um, which in, in the book of Acts. Can you explain what that is, the, that, that parallel between the giving of the law on Mount Sinai and then uh, Pentecost on the book of Acts. Well, he sure can. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. As we said, it's significant that in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is given. In the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments are given on Mount Sinai on the very first Pentecost in Hebrew, Shavuot. Why is word and spirit given on the same day? Because how did God create the world? The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep, and God spoke. So just like creation comes about through word and spirit, New creation, transformation, and eternal life comes about by the Word of God and the Spirit of God in our life. But of course, there's more, because when you read Acts chapter 2, it seems kind of strange, right? You've got these cleft tongues of fire hanging over their heads, and you're like, what the heck is going on here? (laughs) Did we eat mushrooms? (laughs) It seems kind of weird, right? It seems weird until you understand that in the ancient translation of the Hebrew Bible, in Ara- which was, in, it was a translation in Aramaic, it says that when God spoke the Ten Commandments, cleft wings of fire flew out of God's mouth and wrote wow. the letters on the Ten Commandments. So the same thing that happened from a Jewish perspective about Mount Sinai, torches of fire flying out of God's mouth is the same things that are over the disciples' heads. Why? Because just in the same way God established the Old Covenant the Mosaic Covenant with tongues of fire, God's establishing the New Covenant with tongues of fire on the same day. But the difference is now God's words are not going to be written on stone tablets. They're going to be written on our hearts, which is the fulfillment of Jeremiah 31. Mm-hmm. 31 want to make a new oh covenant. Oh, my goodness. Can I just keep you around? I keep you both around to <laughs> talk see, about this He's available stuff. for bar mitzvahs, everything. <laughs> I, I'm just, I, this is so fascinating. You know, do you live here in New You live in New Jersey, right? I'm from New Jersey, live in California. Oh, darn it. He okay. got kicked out of Jersey. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, we need to have a, like, you need to talk to my husband. He's one of these, you know, Old Testament, separate yeah. from New Testament. It's like, no, it's one book. You know, and he, of course, you know, he's the, the yeah. Greek intellect. It's like, I know best, you know, Oh, kind of thing. well. 
Well, you know what he should go? Tell them about your – just give your website because if, if people who are fascinated by this. Yeah, f- fusionglobal.org. And, and there's not meant to be a separation. I mean the writers of the New Testament wrote primarily in Greek, but they were writing from a Hebraic mindset. Right, right. You know, I want to talk about the film a little bit because it, the film is really structured like the book. You know, the way— Well, uh, because I wrote the movie first. And right. then, and when I asked Rabbi to help me with the book, I said, let's follow everything we cover in the movie, and you take us deeper as only he can. So, but you, you break it down to four things, which I think are really significant. It, it, the first part is the God of the, the how, how and, and when, when, and then it's the God of his word, the God who sees, and the God of the other side. Very interesting kind of breaking down those things. But why, why in those four categories? Because that's the way the music came to us. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Nicole C. Mullen and I wrote The God Who Sees. We thought that was going to be a three-minute song about Hagar. Mm-hmm. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, she had to leave for Nigeria. And we started the we started the, the uh, song in, in Nashville. And uh, I said, I'll finish it in, 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 in Greenwich. I'm going home. Uh, you go to uh, ministry, and, and we'll get together and demo it. Or, you know. Well, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I just kept going. And then I wrote about Ruth. And then I wrote about David and their their desert experiences. And then finally, Mary Magdalene. I don't know why, except that's what the Holy Spirit put on my heart. Yeah. And um and at the cross and at the at, and at the tomb. And then it, it it she was so magnificent in the demo that session that we had. I said, I'm gonna put a sixty-five piece orchestra under you. And so you can do it in your concerts. And then that was so unbelievable. And she's so gorgeous. Anyway, I said, all right, sweetheart, (laughs) now you've done it. I'm taking you to Israel, and we're going to shoot. I used all the money I made on the Rock the Road and the Rabbi. All of my royalties were sitting in what I call my little kingdom account. It was not little. It was about a half a million dollars. And I said, we're spending it. We're going to go. And, And on the day that I left the Today Show, I just put it on YouTube as a gift. I said, I don't know what you're going to do with it, Lord, but this is our loaf and our fish. Multiply it. This is what, what, uh, what you know, Nicole and I's, our heart was, we want to tell about Hagar. We want to tell people that are lost and desolate in the desert. And yet God sees them, especially in our world today. So, so many people feel and in, in, invisible. That is what's so empowering, though, about the Bible and about what you're doing is that you're saying that this is not old stories. This is that, brand new you know, stuff from the headlines. This is basically things that apply to people's lives today. Right now. Okay, hold that thought. We're going to take a little break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast, and we'll be back in just a moment. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Okay, welcome back to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Tell how um, these stories of Ruth, of of Hagar, Hagar. Well, Rabbi should tell you he was she. Yeah, because you and I differ a tad on this. But go ahead, tell her what. Oh, but, differ? Yeah, we do often. Well, I mean, look, I think I think the the beautiful thing about Hagar is you know she's running away because she's been mistreated by Sarah. She has her son Ishmael with her. And, uh, you know, when she feels like she's going to die in the desert and God shows up and appears to her and tells her to go back and she names the place the living God who sees, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the beautiful thing about Hagar is that she understands that our greatest need is to be seen and known. And God sees Hagar and he gives her a new hope that changes her life. And I think that's really 
why we wrote this book and the beautiful thing about the book. We wrote this book to give people hope. We live in such hopeless times. And hope is the belief that your future is going to be better than your past. That is what everybody wants. Yes, To be seen, to be known, and to be loved. In yeah. spite of in being spite, seen In and spite known. of being seen and known. And this is one of the problems I think most um, young people have. That First of all, they don't know the purpose in life. No. You know, so they don't know their purpose. Then the second thing is they don't understand their relationship to God, that they are made in God's image. Right. And but they're so, not taught it. And they're not taught it. And they don't understand that sort of level of it. I mean, I, I was just reading this morning in, I don't know, you know Jesus Calling, you know, the Sarah Young I, Every book. day, Sarah Young, every and one of them. Yep. she said today, for, <laughs> she actually had the scripture out. From Genesis 16, talking about Hagar, the God who sees. I saw that today, this morning. I know. And says, no set of circumstances could ever isolate you from my loving, God's loving. That's right. So this is, the, I think that when people hear this, if they don't feel it, they don't think it's true. And part of the challenge is people understand it intuitively, but they're going about it in a way that's not necessarily the best way. So... The desire to be seen and known is why we have social media and why it's mm-hmm. so significant. We think meaning is going to come by having someone see us and like a post that we do mm-hmm. on whatever inst- whatever platform we're on. But that's never a validation. Gonna, a validation that's never going to give us our sense of worth. Our sense of right. worth is going to come from knowing God sees us. And I had an experience with God where I was having time with God, praying and doing devotions. And God said to me, Jason, you're my favorite son. I'm like, thank you, Lord. He goes, when you go out there and speak, tell people you're my favorite son. I'm like, well, people are going to think I'm prideful. I don't want to say that. He says, Jason, you don't get it. He goes, I'm a father and you're a father, but I'm not a father like you're a father. He goes, who do you love more, your older son or your younger son? I said, I love them both. He goes, well, I'm the infinite father, and I can have an infinite number of number one sons and daughters. (laughs) Wow. Right? When you know that God sees you as his number one and loves you and values and sees that worth in you, it changes your identity, Mm -hmm. which impacts your destiny. This is a powerful kind of uh, understanding of the scripture. And I wanted to talk, and we talked before, I wanted to talk about spiritual warfare. And this Mm -hmm. is, I think, the level that modern people do not get that there are, you know, powers and principalities. Powers and principalities, like Ephesians 6 talks about. We're resting not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities. Everything that you think is, is really kind of part of a spiritual kind of battle that's going on. It's very real. If the Holy Spirit is real, for every truth, there's a counterfeit. That's just that. That's a whole bunch of that in all through the Bible. Rabbi speaks of it so eloquently and so. I mean, these are deep, deep, deep spiritual truths. But he makes them understandable in layman terms or layperson terms, and uh, to be you know healthy these days, right? And uh, yeah, and and you're aware of it when it's happening. Once you become uh, a, a real a follower of Yeshua, understanding that look how he was tormented. I, he was the, baptized. Immediately goes into the into the where the desert. The desert. Yep, yep. And and is is tempted. And how does Jesus answer all the temptations exactly the way we should? He answers. You say this, but it is written. But this is what this, Jesus said. No, this is what this is the truth. That you know you you're the father of lies. That's your native language. 
but this is my father's word, and I'm the word made flesh. See, that's very powerful because one of the things that happens with the Jesus in the wilderness, people maybe not really get, is that every answer he gives to Satan is scriptural. Yes. He, he answers with the saying. word of God. That's why you have to know it. Yeah. You have to know the word of God. I mean, the Bible talks about let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Yes. You know, you know, teaching and admonishing and all of those things. One of the things that I want to get to because I think young people really need to hear, and I was just reading about Shia LaBeouf, who the actor? Yes, who just converted to Catholicism? I saw that because um, of the movie uh, he, he did on Padre Pio. I mean, and this is an, what what what's really fascinating, which we're not getting to, but a lot of people don't understand, is that everybody thinks that if I can be known, if I can be famous, if I can get the, a major movie star, my life will be okay. Watch but, out what you wish for. Exactly. There, everybody's on this sort of self salvation project. But here, he he was looking at the gun on the table, thinking maybe I should end it all now. Right. A lot of people are. That's what the God of I, still after three and a half years that since we put out the God who sees, you can go to the YouTube, watch it, and look at the comments at the end. You will see as of today or yesterday or last week, somebody saying I was going to kill myself and I just stumbled on this somehow, or somebody told me. You know, you taught me, I think, Rabbi, that in the in the Hebrew language there is no word for um, coincidence. Yeah. Because the, the Jews believe, and rightfully so, and a lot of people believe, there's uh, that God is sovereign, either sovereign God and sovereign in all things, or he's not God at all. Right. Nothing's right. an accident. Nothing's random. And so he is the God who sees us, and he has a much better plan for us. He put us in a garden to begin with, not a corrupt world that it's become. <laughs> and that's always been. He wants us to—the way, the whole message of the movie, The Way, is that since the dawn of humankind— Father God, Jehovah, uh, um, Elohim, Creator God, has longed to redeem his children and bring us home to Bet Av, the Father's house. You know, you say, you tell so many stories in the film and the book, obviously. What was your favorite story? Uh, by far, one of my, I think my favorite word in all of Scripture is what Jesus said the first time he spoke that we know of after the resurrection. And Mary Magdalene was there, and she thought he was—she didn't recognize him. She thought he was the gardener. And she had come to, please tell me, sir, where my, my Lord is, and I will, take, I will come and take him away. You know, and Jesus looks at her, and what does he say? Mary. And she, just the sound of his voice, she recognizes him immediately. That's the man, the God-man that she had sat at his feet and listened. That's the God-man who who redeemed her from seven tormenting spirits. That's the person who told her, you're as valuable as any man. You are a daughter of Abraham. You're going to be a co-creator with me in my father's kingdom. The ones who have been loved the most are love and return the most. And the women followed Jesus in droves because he was the most radical feminist that ever lived. (laughs) So I would like people, when they think about that story of Jesus in the garden, saying, Mary, that's what he says to you. He says, Lauren. He says, Kathy. He says, says, hey, favorite son, (laughs) Jason. He is such a custom-made God. He loves us so individually. That's why I can't stand this cookie-cutter mentality. you got to worship like I do. you got to vote like I, got, I, like I do. You've got to go to the same church that I, because that's the only one that— pre- No, let, let the Holy Spirit do His work in each one of our hearts and rejoice that God is the God truly of individualism. And, and God would never cancel anyone. 
ever. Anytime somebody says, I'm going to cancel you, that is not of God. That's the antithesis. That's what the big liar does. The father of all lies says, I'm going to cancel you. How can people do what you do um, to get together with their Jewish brethren and their Christian brethren and really explore together the scriptures? But of course, you know, if a Jewish person does not believe Jesus is the Messiah, that's a big barrier, though, isn't it? Again, I think there's a number of things. I happen to be a Messianic rabbi, so I'm Jewish, and I do believe Jesus, Yeshua, is the Messiah. That's why I have a special interest in the New Testament and connecting the old and the new. But I think that being said, I think that it's so important in our world that we have mutual dialogue and understanding. And so, as we said earlier, every major event in Jesus' life happened on a Jewish holiday. When you tell a Christian right? that, they go, really? Right. And, so, and so, listen, uh-huh. ask, your, ask either a Messianic or a Jewish friend, hey— How do you celebrate Passover? How do you celebrate Hanukkah? And it will give you insight and understanding into the New Testament because much of what we do today is in some form or fashion, or at least the message connects back to ancient times to even before Jesus, Yeshua, was born. What do you I think, think there's a lot, excuse me, Lauren, I wanted to, really to bring this up with you. I'm so glad you asked because people get confused about Judaism. I have Jewish blood in me. Uh, uh, my ancestors were Jews. My father's father was a Russian Jew uh, and um, came over from uh, St. Petersburg on a, on a boat. Okay. Uh, that makes me Jewish in a sense. Now, I wasn't raised in the Jewish faith. These are two separate things we have to understand. I identified as Jewish when I was a little girl. Uh, but but we but but I believed in Jesus, and I didn't really know him. I just I just sort of had an, my very first dream I remember was of Jesus sitting on a cloud, and I knew he was Jesus. I didn't know his name was Yeshua in Hebrew, but I remember he just looked down at me and smiled. And guess what he did? He said my name. He said Kathy. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, I, I I've always. It's, we talk about identity politics and a lot, but but I always, but I I knew I was a Christian because that's the way the churches that I ultimately went to. I believe in Jesus, but I, I am a messianic Christian. I really I am a messianic Jewish person who believes in Jesus. So nobody should ever be confused that because I have Jewish blood in me that it's, that you can't possibly be a Christian. All like Rabbi said, our church. Our church started out all Jewish, and the the first followers of Jesus were not called Christians. That's a that's a Greek word that came later during the apostolic period. They were called followers of the way. The way, yes. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's why my movie is called The Way. And and everybody that that wrote the scriptures, as he says, except for Luke, who was a Greek physician, um, was was Jewish. And we need to—it it drives me crazy that we that we there's centuries of enmity between us. It was never meant to be right. that way. Right. Never. And that is the question is like, what what is the major impediment Jewish people have for accepting Jew, uh, Jesus as the Messiah? Yeah, I think there's two major issues, and I understand it because I grew up in a traditional Jewish family. Uh, I mean, one is, unfortunately— Many people who claim to be Christian have persecuted Jews yes. in Jesus' name. Exactly. Right? Whether that's uh, you know from the early church, some of the early church fathers, to 
you know, in Nazi Germany, uh, where, you know, Christians were, or people who claimed to be Christians, many were not real Christians. A real Hitler Christian infiltrated yeah. the church. Right. Right. But so, but they claimed to be a Christian nation, right? So, and Jews in mind, and Christians did this to us, right? Or the Inquisitions or whatever it is. So that is the historical unfortunate reality. The other is, you know, many Jewish people think, well, I can't be Jewish and believe in Jesus because historically the church has said, if you believe in Jesus, you have to convert, give up your Jewish heritage, even change your name and take a Christian name. And if you practice any of any Jewish aspects like the holidays, like the dietary laws, then you're Judaizing. And unfortunately, that was a mistake that goes back to Constantine, a separation that never should have occurred because Paul, John, Peter, all of these, you know, great men of faith practiced their Jewish faith and loved the Torah, worshipped in a Jewish way, you know, and and that's what we do in the book. So one of one of the parts that I love in the book, we talk about the prodigal, and we talk about how he has his epiphany in the pig pen, right? And the Hebrew word, but why the pig pen? The Hebrew word for pig is chazir, comes from the same Hebrew word which means to return in the sense of to repent and return to God. Right, So the prodigal understands that the rabbis say that the pig is the most unkosher animal because it has the external sign of being kosher, the cloven hooves, but it lacks the internal sign of chewing its cud. So it's a hypocrite. It's someone who looks clean on the outside Mm. but is unclean on the inside. But because the name for pig means to return, the rabbis say that in the Messianic kingdom – Pigs are going to be transformed by God. They're going to chew their cud, and we're going to be able to eat pigs. So I'm going to get to have bacon, bacon in heaven, right? <laughs> so, so, if, so the point with the prodigal is if there's hope for the pig, if a pig is going to return one day, which is the most unclean animal, and be transformed by God and become clean, then surely I, the prodigal, is who has fallen lower than a pig, eating the leftovers of the pig, I can return home just like the pig is going to return, and I can be transformed and accepted by my father. Wow, I, I'm like totally kind of blown away. And I, I we've run out of time, but I'll tell you, um, not out of interest. <laughs> <laughs> no, it goes, you should come, take one of his rabbi's tours, Rock Roden rabbi tours, and uh, he does several to. of them in the Holy Land. And, you know, Rock Road and Rabbi, Rock is Jesus, of course, the rock of our faith. Rab, uh, the Road is the Holy Land, nothing like studying it there where these things actually happen. And then the Rabbi is not just my precious Rabbi Sobel, it's the rabbinic way of studying. Yeah. That's, that's the difference. So... I'm, I'm telling you, there's an alchemy that happens when you're there. I've never—I took one trip, and I know we're over time. I took one trip of—I said, Lord, I don't know who you want to come here, but show me. And it was my Scientologist friends. It was some atheist friends, agnostic friends. It was uh, the brokenhearted Catholics over what had happened right. in the church. There was a very confused Baptists about wine and such. And, there, <laughs> and then there, there were people who were just lost and from all kinds of different backgrounds. Every single one of them was— touched by the Holy Spirit and changed forever, just from being there and studying this way. Well, the, the book is called The God of the Way, and you can get it now. Yes. Um, and the movie is called The Way. Yes. And if it's and if you miss the Fathom events, you can also probably stream it or... That's right. Right. And so I encourage you to, 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 to watch the movie, get people over and have a great time to watch this, and you will be absolutely moved and inspired by it. Thank you, Lord. Kathy Lee Gifford, Rabbi Jason Sobel, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. It's just a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks shalom, for having shalom, us. Thank shalom, shalom. And thank you all for listening. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. 
This is Jimmy Fallon inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.